All right. Here we go. Om namo gurudev namo. All lightheaded from workout this morning. But let's do some q and I'm going to be lying down for the whole entire time. Uh, thank you all so much for being here. So this is uh, Q&A on the Bruja Report. If you want to submit questions, you do that um, by joining the Bruja Report. And for the month of October, so that's for what, 10 more days, you can get a month free of Bruja Report using the password Sacred Society. You send a DM to the Bruja Report. You can definitely do this. Sometimes people hit me up and they're like, I can't send a DM to Bruja Report. I'm like, what? You can. Um, and the password Sacred Society and Allie will give you a link where you can get a full month for free. So here's question number one. Sarah, that's a fake name, says, hey mama, so I've been on my shit to start up my own coaching practice as a guide, getting everything in alignment, and I mean everything. Three months ago, I was working in a nightclub and thought nothing would ever change for me. I was over it. I did breaking broke and freaking freaky shit started happening. Yeah, that's what happened. Now I'm moving to Mexico, selling all my shit and transitioning to working online as a coach and will start to work on my book. Okay, but now I'm running out of steam. I'm so in love with what I'm starting. It doesn't feel like work. The in-between though is killing me. I'm unmotivated, living at my parents before I go, waiting for my car to sell, trying to be spiritual as fuck and just tired, yo. How the hell do I thrive during this transition? Oh my God, it's so real. Um, I love Denise T posted one time that the first year of business is just like swinging from terror to elation. And it's so true. You know, you get on those first client calls and you're like crying afterwards because you can't believe you have the best job in the whole world. But then like the money struggle is real. And I, I really don't know if there's a way to avoid that in the beginning. I think it's why all celebrities are always like, don't give up on your dreams because it's really easy to do. And I was living at my mom's house and that was really hard for me. I thought that I had, I was always really judgmental of people that moved in with their parents. I was like, pussy. Um, but, and so I had to do it because I was so resistant to it. And honestly, spending that time living with my mom was like the best thing that ever happened to me. But yeah, the money struggle when you're first getting started as a spiritual teacher or a life coach or whatever is really, really difficult. So here's a couple things that I want you to remember. I was a waitress for like, I don't know, I, was, I joined the service industry when I was 13. And I left the service industry when I was 27. And even though I did lots and lots and lots of other jobs in between that, I always kind of returned to the service industry. And I just remember, you know, every time I had to make a vodka soda, which is like the tofu of drinks or had to do roll-ups. I was always like, my time's just too fucking expensive. You know, I'm too valuable. I'm too smart to be doing this literal like monkey work. It's ridiculous. I, I just can't believe it. And I remember so many times thinking like, if I have to pour one more vodka soda, I'm just going to fucking die. You know, if I have to do one more roll-up, I'm going to kill myself. I'm just so sick of doing side work. Yeah, I'm so sick of bartending and um, and so for me, every day that I wasn't doing that was always a success in my book. And if I ever needed a reminder of that, like I would go to a restaurant and always remember that that used to be me, like the waitress or the bartender. And I'm so grateful for the service industry because it got me, you know, put me through school like three different times. And 
I worked at really great bars. I always worked with people that I liked a lot. I never worked with people that I didn't like, except for when I worked at the chain restaurant. But I had a really, really good friend that worked there. So we were like in it together. But every day that I wasn't in the service industry was a success in my book. And, you know, you get to the point like where you're so invested that you can't turn back. So like, I personally fucking hate it when people threaten, you know, or when people threaten to kill themselves because it's like, oh my God, stop everything and go on suicide watch. And I've had a lot of really close friends kill themselves. And I've also tried to kill myself several times. And, you know, if you're serious about killing yourself, you don't tell anyone, you know, my best friend killed herself and I spoke to her two days before she died. And I had no, she of course wouldn't say anything to me because you know that I would have tried to talk her out of it. And she had already had her mind made up. So, you know, you're constantly threat. Like, I don't like it when people are threatening to leave life because it makes me not want to be friends with them. And the same thing, like if you're in a relationship with somebody and they're always threatening to leave, like you're not going to trust them. You're not going to feel safe with them because they're always saying, well, if you don't do things the way that I want you to do them, then I'm going to leave and you're not going to have me anymore. And you can't feel safe. You can't open up and get vulnerable if you feel like the rug's going to get ripped out from under your feet. It's the same thing with your career. Like it has to present itself to you, you know, but that won't happen as long as you're constantly threatening like, okay, well, either I pay off my debt in 12 months or I'm going back to this line of work. Or you either make this work on my terms, otherwise I'm going to quit. And you have to commit, like, that's what this process of undoing, and in the teacher's manual of Course in Miracles, they talk about this. You know, it's where all the things that you think make you a stable, good person get taken away from you so that you learn how to cultivate an inner sense of stability and an inner sense of peace. Like, smooth seas do not make strong sailors. But you have to commit yourself wholeheartedly to doing this work because it really is all or nothing. So the first thing I would recommend that you do is just be like, this is my fucking life path. I'm a spiritual woman. I'm going to make it work no matter how long it takes, no matter how much it costs, no matter what the timeline is. It's going to take four or five times as much patience as you think it's got to take. It's also going to take four or five times as long as you think it's got to take. It will require everything from you. And if you're not, somebody's got to tell you that right in the beginning. It'll absolutely push you to your limits so that you learn that you are far beyond any of the limitations you've ever put on yourself. You have to expand past all the doubts that you have of who you are. And so much of what you think makes you a good person is like your ability to earn or your ability to not live with your parents or your ability to like fucking make shit happen when you think it's got to happen. And when you tap into your life's purpose, you don't have that, you don't have the luxury or the illusion, let's say, of control. There's no controlling this, but you have to commit to 100%. And when you commit to 100%, you can start to have gratitude for the day-to-day experiences that you get um, when you are a teacher. And regardless of what it is that you're calling yourself, you know, like you're a teacher, don't fucking worry too much about like giving yourself a specific name either. All that stuff is stupid. Business alignment coach, discovery call. But it's like your students will tell you who you are. You don't have to worry about what your special fucking made up coaching name is. Like uh, everyone goes through them. It's like you don't need to do it. If some fucking business tweet tells you you have to, that's not true. 
be the fucking best teacher that you can in every area of life. And people will start to ask you how it is that you're so peaceful. Like that's literally your advertising is the peace on your face and the compassion and your disposition, not what your fucking Instagram bio says, you know, not what your fucking coaching package is. It's who it's how you be, not who you say you are. So cultivating an attitude of attitude with everything that you do. So like every day that you're not working in a nightclub, you're a success. Every day that you get to help somebody through something that you've learned, that's a success. Every day that you're one step further on your life path and you haven't given up on either living or your business, that's a success. And you need to take note of that, you know, hey, this may not be where I want it to be right now, but at least I'm one step closer to my destiny. You know, at least I'm building something that can grow as opposed to just going to the same job over and over again. At least there's a way that this could turn into something I love. And even, and thank God that I'm one step closer to this on my journey. Um, but yeah, the terror relation swing is real. And seriously, like if you can get yourself a little bit of income so that you're not just it's going to take you, nobody's going to tell you this, but there's no quick way to fucking $10,000 months. Like even if a coach says, yeah, my first three months of business, I made fucking 15 grand. That's not true. You know, like chances are that person was part-time for two, three years before that. But I, and I know because I've hired coaches and when I really, after, you know, three months of working with them, I'm like, oh, your story, you know, on Facebook, your shit says that within three months you had made fucking 30K in revenue. I'm like, that actually isn't true. You had started working on this a long time ago. So that's like, it's going to take you a while. And if you are able to get a little bit of income from something else. I think there's an app called Fiverr where you can just do odd jobs or fucking walk dogs or something. Do some caca so that you have a little bit of money rolling in and there's not so much pressure on it. And uh, get the teacher's manual for A Course in Miracles and start reading that uh, just because it'll help you see. It's nice to have a, a you are here pin dropped on your teacher's journey when you realize that what's happening to you isn't wrong or out of line or you're doing or you've fallen off your path or whatever it's just the road to becoming a teacher it's the greatest job that there is and it's the toughest road to get there so good luck <laughs> and uh, you know you can ask questions on here every single monday if you want i'll do my best to help you out so and forgive your parents all right question what is your advice for dealing with intrusive disturbing or violent thoughts i'm a peaceful non-violent person and i have no memory of an event that would spark these type of worries but i know i showed some signs of ocd as a child you're just listening to your mind dude like you're just identifying with your thoughts and that's like the journey we're all trying to emancipate from identifying with our thoughts it doesn't matter where these thoughts come from it's just a thought your mind is constantly fucking playing like 90 million thoughts for you a day. None of them are you. So, you know, just because you have a thought of you doing something horrible or something horrible happening, like that's just your thoughts. It's just your imagination that, and you don't have to listen to that. The problem is that you're listening to it. You think that because your mind is doing it's like firework thing that it always does all these different thoughts in all these directions, 
that that has anything to do with who you are or that that speaks to what kind of person you are, good or bad. And it's just your thoughts. It's just your imagination. Your mind is like, I heard, I think it's like a Zen proverb, but it's, uh, it's, it's like one good elephant with two bad elephants on either side. So like, even though, yeah, there's some good in the middle, you've got a well-trained elephant in the middle, it's flanked by these two rambunctious fucking crazy elephants that are always pulling it one way and the other. It's not that your whole mind is bad. It's just, it's untrained. You have an untrained mind that does not do what you tell it to. Dude, like the other day, your body and your mind don't fucking listen to you. The other day, Patrick said he was going to be home at like two and he didn't get home until six. And even though I knew he was out chopping wood for the family, it was still, you know, it was like four hours past when I thought I was going to get a break. And I had told myself the whole time, I'm not going to be resentful. I'm not going to be a little bitch when he walks in. I'm not going to give him a hard time about being late because he's doing something for the family. And even though he told me it was something different, I knew it was going to be this long. Like I knew that's how it was going to go down. And sure enough, when Patrick walks into the door, I've been a total fucking bitch. And I was like, dude. And at least I told him, honey, I'm so sorry that I'm being like, a bitch about this right now. I know that you were just doing, you know, like the right thing and it doesn't matter. I can't believe that I'm being such an asshole about this. I'm so sorry. My body's not listening to me. Like at least I was able to give him that little bit of a disclaimer, but your body and mind don't fucking listen to you. They're not trained. They just do whatever the hell they want. And every time your mind throws some crappy thought at you, you're like losing a week of your time. You're like, oh my God, does this have anything to do with my OCD nature as a child? It's like, no, your mind is just talking shit, you know? And you don't have to listen to that. You don't have to get to the bottom of every fucking piece of caca your mind throws at you. You don't have to do that. You can just be like, well, that's my mind talking again. And just within a split second, you could feel differently about it. You don't have to go, you don't have to attend every argument your mind is inviting you to. You have the choice to not do that. And especially when it comes to worry, anxiety, and fantasizing about the worst case scenario, I like to tell myself imagination isn't real. You know how many times my imagination has tried to send me through some type of fatal car accident to my son's funeral? Like all kinds of whack, horrible, disturbing things like that. My brain invites me to shit like that all the time. And I have to say out loud, imagination isn't real. Imagination isn't real. Just because I'm not seeing a vision of the future, my mind just never shuts up. And imagination, negative imagination, it's, all, it's untrained. It's always trying to get me to go on a ride with it. You don't have to go on a ride with it. That's your mind talking to you. It's not, you know, a premonition. It's not, when God speaks to you, you know it. Okay, when God speaks to you, you know it. It's unmistakable. It won't leave you alone. You won't be able to ignore it if you try to. But when your mind's talking to you, that's not a fucking premonition. That's not saying that it's going to happen. It's not saying you're a bad person. Your mind can have as many fucking thoughts and as many fucking imaginations as it wants. You don't have to identify with it because it's not you. I hope that that helps. I know your opinion on trades, but how do you feel about sliding scale. First of all, it's not my opinion about trades. It's a law. Whether you like it or not, this is how the universe works. If you want the universe to support you with cash, then you need to only accept cash or credit for your fucking work. 
if you want to be trade, if you want to be paid in like trade stuff, if you want to be paid in fucking sweaters and acupuncture and art that you don't like, then a hundred percent trade your work. You can do, you can do this however you want. There's no right or wrong. When it comes to a sliding scale, I have a lot of things that are on, wait, have I? Done anything? Oh, slight. No, I was going to do one thing that was on sliding scale and it just didn't work out. It's a lot better. This in, in Breaking Broke, there's a video on like donations. I really feel like you should just create, don't make it so that people owe you anything or that you owe them anything. Just set a fucking price on your work. When you have a sliding scale, you're sending a mixed message to the universe. It's it just, just don't. You know, unless it's something that, you, you know, it's a group workshop and it doesn't matter. Like I'm doing a couple service-based workshops next month. So one for eating disorders, one for homeschooling and one for addiction. Honestly, just because I would be doing it anyway and I really want to get these resources out there. So those ones are pay what you can, which I guess is sliding scale. But girl, I'm going to try that shit for a month. And if that doesn't work or people aren't, because people need to value your work, you know, people need to value your work in order to apply it in their lives. If it's just how often are you listening to a podcast when you're doing the dishes and you're like not even listening to it at all. So I'm going to put it on, I'm going to put it on pay what you will. It's going to be 20 bucks. It's a suggested donation. It's 20 bucks. And I'm going to see how people fucking do with it. Because to me, it's not about making money on it. It's about people actually applying and doing the work. And when they value it because they put money on it, they do the work. When they don't value it, think about how many times people have given you, you know, sagely life advice. You've got to love yourself. And if it's not somebody that you've paid to be like, yo, bitch, right now, you've got to do it. And here's how you don't listen to it. You're like, yeah, I know. I know I got to drink my water. Like, no, that's bullshit. You have to value it. So I'm going to do it for a month and see how it goes. But if people, you know, if it's not working out, you better believe I'll be like, dang, lesson learned. I'll put a price on that bitch. Cause I think it's important to have a clear value of what it is that you're bringing, communicate that and let people pay it. Um, so, you know, I'll get back to you after the, this is the first time I'm doing, except for when I first started as a coach, I did some donation based stuff, but there were some people who straight up paid me because I said, you know, you can pay me whatever you want. And there was a person who was making like a lot of money. And I know because we talked about it and she tried to pay me fucking 10 bucks for four coaching calls. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I know I said, pay, you know, you can pay me whatever you want. That was my bad. But honestly, I just didn't think that you would, uh, that, that, that $2 and 50 cents for an hour of my time was valuable to you. I think that's incredibly rude. And I'm not going to work with you. Um, and that was when my donation-based thing stopped. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to have to just make some $20 classes now because, uh, I don't know, I, I'll, I'll get back to you after I do this month of November. And I guess you'll look at my events page and see what I decided on. So thank you very much for this question because I obviously needed to answer it. Do I speak to my inner child still? Do I practice this currently? Does one get to a point where inner child work is done? Yeah, you definitely get to a point where inner child work is done. I'm kind of bored with talking about the inner child. Although wheels reinvented, I blow my load with wheels reinvented once a year. So that's all, you know, that's a full workshop on childhood trauma and the chakras. It's basically just teaching you how there's a specific set of issues that we inherit 
on our journey during the formative years and going back and healing that. But I teach you how to go back and heal that. You're spending a very conscious 15, 20 minutes with your inner child, not fucking revisiting her every single day. You know, like it's not, it's not really like that. Yeah, you know, there is no new pain. We're just feeling different iterations of that, these original wounds. But I, I, to me, it doesn't feel very empowering to constantly reference like my wounding or my inner child. Like I, I live today now. I don't live in my childhood. I don't live in my yesterday. I live right here, right now, today. And I, you know, honestly, I have a baby. I have a baby. So like I, he shows me what it's like to play all of the time. And when I let myself just play with my kid, I guess it's like our inner children playing together. But honestly, I just don't fucking think about my inner child that much. I spent a good two years or so working on healing a lot of trauma. When I notice something new coming up, I definitely do trauma work on it. But like that shit is brief. And that's why I started teaching Wheels Reinvented was because I was like, dude, we so many people talking about their trauma and their inner child. Like it's just as fast to heal trauma as it is to talk about it. And I hate that people are like referencing their trauma because it's obvious that their therapist or their fucking coach who should be seeing a therapist has told them like, oh yeah, surprise, you're more fucked up than you thought you were. You have all of this trauma and it's in the past. It's like, you can heal that shit super fast. It's really easy to do when you know how to do it. And we shouldn't be dwelling on it. Like, honestly, I've got bigger fucking fish to fry being present than, you know, like asking my inner child what outfit she wants to wear today. Like, I'm not dressed like my fucking inner child today. I'm dressed like a fucking hot mama today because that's who I am today. And I personally just got bored with, uh, with inner child stuff because you don't have to be there forever. You can choose, that's also, you know, a whole lot of the mind talking to you. If you can get practiced in dropping the mind and it's like, well, maybe this is coming from your childhood, you can be like, or I don't have to listen to your fucking shit right now and I can go do something else. Like, I'm literally not in the mood to sit here and listen to my mind be like, hey, maybe we should spend 20 minutes worrying about this thing. Or maybe we should like analyze this old resentment. I'm like, or we could just fucking not. Or I could just go live my life as I usually do without having to get to the bottom of every fucking shit storm that you throw at me. I'm fucking bored with inner child work. I swear. Like, I really don't know if I'm going to do, I have two options. I can do wheels reinvented for one last round. And instead of charging five grand for it, charge two grand for it just because it'll be fun. My thing is, is like at a certain point on your journey, this work is super effective, especially if you're a coach and you need a curriculum, like if you do Wheels Reinvented, you will be able to help any client heal from any problem they come to you with. And I think it's super important for new teachers to have a, an infrastructure that they can rest on because so often coaches get caught up in the beginning. Oh my God, what if somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer? This is a coaching training that equips you to handle anything that any client would ever come to you with through personal experience, you're not looking it up in your fucking teacher's manual. You know because you've healed it. And, I, and in the meantime, you'll learn 
the seven issues that you're always faced with in life, the things that you really struggle with. And when you know what the problem is, you can solve it. So I just worry, like, I don't really feel like teaching inner child stuff because I'm quite beyond that now. The thing is, is I just, if I stop teaching Wheels Reinvented, this information doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. And if I stop teaching it, the world won't have it. So that for me is inspiration to do it one last time and really cheap. Like I'll probably charge three grand for it. And then for the one day Black Friday sale, it'll be two grand. But listen, I was going to charge five grand for it. If I do it one last time, then I'm going to do it super cheap. And I really hope you can make it. And then I'm literally never doing it again. Or at all if I'm not feeling it. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Um, I hope that helps. I will try to be brief. Last summer, I did some exams and the results were negative. After a series of tests and a wait of months, it turns out that everything is fine, that my uterus is well and I'm healthy. What I did in the two months of waiting was to meditate, practice, and swim every day, reminding myself that being ill had no value or meaning in my life. My question concerns the fact that this event may be realized as a shock at the moment that I want a child and that this thing that I want a child and this thing is real. How do you combine this realization in a moment in which a partner does not exist or where the partner who is there alternates moments of non-availability with moments of presence? Okay, well, let's get this question going on for you. You're probably not with the person that you're supposed to have a kid with. If, you're, if your partner is going from being available to non-available, it's like we talked about earlier on. It's like, listen, if you're, you can't open up in the way that you need to open up and your womb will not open up with somebody that it doesn't trust like that. If you read the Magdalene manuscript or anything else on like Egyptian alchemy, there's a real, um, the moment of fertility happens post-orgasm in like the in the magnetic fields that open up where post orgasm the two partners are there like reveling in each other's bliss like that moment is fertility and you know i think there's really no accidents in this earth and i know people who have who have had children as a result of rape people who have had children in Ireland when there was no option for abortion or plan B. I know all types of stories and every baby that's supposed to be here gets here one way or another. And there in all of these situations, you know, even the most like abysmal situation where you're like, oh my God, a child born from rape. Yeah. And that child changed the mother's life forever. And she loved that baby so much. And that's just the way that that is. Um, every baby that's supposed to be here gets here. But, there, but there's a moment of fertility, there's a moment of consent that happens subconsciously where you're like, yes, I agreed to this. And that baby shows up, you know, it's no coincidence. I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. It's like, what is it about ovulation that can make perfectly reasonable women who always, who had no intention of having kids anytime soon, who all of a sudden be like, yes let's fuck come inside of me and the guy's like okay and then you're pregnant you know like there's this desire just can sweep through us and that's when a soul is wanting to come into existence you know every baby that's supposed to be here gets here because all of us fucking know if you let someone come inside of you the chances that you're going to get pregnant are pretty high 
Very few people are aware of the fertility awareness method that you can only get pregnant two days out of the month. A lot of people are unaware of this. It's just a basic thing. You let someone come inside you, you're probably going to get pregnant. So what is it that in these moments cause us to throw our caution to the wind and be like, yeah, let's do it. Is it low self-esteem? You know, it might be. I think it's imperative that we teach the next generation of girls how to say no, because all this fucking me too woke shit, there's a bajillion people that don't feel like it's okay to decline sex. Don't feel like it's okay to be like, if you come inside me, I'm going to cut your fucking dick off. That don't know how to request a pullout. That don't know how to request a condom. Like, yeah, that's part of it. But then when you're older, you know, all of a sudden your biological clock kicks in and you want a baby and you can't explain it. All of a sudden you're like, I just keep fantasizing about getting interior decorated by this person. Um, but that person, the person that you're meant to have a child with, they'll be available. And they'll let you know, like, I will have that kid with you. It's the type of person where you're like, if I got in a terrible accident and I couldn't take myself to the bathroom anymore, would you carry me to the bathroom? Like, would you wipe my butt? It has to be somebody. If that person, and like, I guarantee you, this fucking guy, if he's going from available to not available, if you're in some kind of accident and you're like shitting your pants in bed, you want somebody that's going to wipe your butt for you. Somebody that you can trust to wipe your fucking butt for you. Like that shit is serious. And because having a kid is hard work. That first year is hard as shit in the beginning. There's not a lot of sleep. You have to, you completely abandon your sense of a schedule. There can be things that you planned on doing all month long. And when it comes down to that day, the baby's not having it. You can't fucking go. It doesn't, and you have to learn to be okay with that. You have to learn to be okay with eating cold ass food and having your plan get shot to shit. Once a baby starts walking and stuff, it's a lot easier because you don't have to be like hunched over. Uh, you know, they're a little more independent. There's more things that interest them. Having a baby in the beginning is hard work. You sure as fuck do not want to get knocked up by some irresponsible, unavailable person that you're not even that attracted to in the first place. So if you know that you want to have a kid, that desire is only there because you're meant to have it. That's the first indication that a soul is trying to come into existence because all of a sudden you want it and you didn't want it before and now you really fucking want it. Now that's totally fine. Now there's all these things that you have going on in your head where like, okay, well, because it was going through my head. I was like, God damn it. I just want to have a baby right now. I'm even tempted to have a baby with this complete idiot that I'm going out with just because I like want a baby. And I think that if I, it'll take a long time if I, I start dating somebody else new. I think it'll take a long time. We'll meet each other and then it's going to be dating. And then we have to have these conversations about do you want a kid or not? And then we have to like try to move in together. It just takes so fucking long. And Spirit was like, why do you think it's got to take a long time? I got pregnant three days into knowing Patrick. When you meet that person, you know. And things can move really fast without feeling weird or urgent or anything like that. Patrick and I got together. We never left each other's side. A lot of fucking crazy shit happened in the beginning of our relationship. And that was it. We had, I tell people, we took it slow. We waited nine whole months to have a baby. That was Patrick's and my dating. And like, as a result, we're learning to date each other again now. But it doesn't have to take a long time. But if you're serious about wanting a kid and your boyfriend's like a fucking idiot, not available all the time, dump his ass. 
dump his fucking ass. Is he going to wipe your butt if you shit yourself? Well, you know, fuck this guy. You don't want to trust me. When you have a baby and grease ball hair and you haven't slept in four days, you do not want to be calling your boyfriend and find out that he's in one of those unavailable moods when you like me to take a shower and brush your teeth and it's 7 p.m. Get rid of that person, first of all, and think about the type of experiences you want to have and where you want to live and what kind of person, what kind of mom you want to be. Don't think about how you need your partner to be. You think about what kind of mom you want to be. You think about what kind of wife you want to be. And you start doing the necessary things to be that person right now. If you've got shit you've got to get rid of, get rid of that. If you've got habits you've got to quit, get rid of that. Focus on becoming the type of partner that you want to be the most. You're like, cool, I'm not going to go through people's phones anymore. That's the end of that. When you do that, the right person will show up and they'll be ready to have a kid with you. I guarantee it. Advice for staying consistent when it feels like you are a helpless witness to something that seems totally unreal. Like living on planet Earth, but feeling like you are in a Truman show type of world where the mandala effect takes over. Okay, I don't know what the mandala effect is, but my advice for anything when you don't know how to navigate something that's really trying you is to accept it is to open your heart to it. And you open your heart when you, when you accept without criticism or judgment that things are not the way you want them to be. And things are not the way you want it to be. There was a seismic shift that happened. I put up a picture yesterday on my Instagram of my son's teeth healing. Now I tried every fucking external solution in the book for my kid's teeth. All of the diet, all of the everything, Brushing, my life was just like a series of fucking solutions and none of it was working and every day it was getting worse and every day I was obsessing and every day it was like ruining my fucking day. Hired a tapping coach, still was freaking out. Hired a, the, you know, did so much mindset work, did 90 days of affirmations 15 times a day written down in my journal fucking nothing changed. It started getting worse. And then I accepted it. Like if you heard the first episode of this podcast, I was like, I accept that my kid's teeth are super fucked up right now. Dude, that was literally two weeks ago. And I was crying and I was in tears when I finally accepted that no matter how hard I was crying, I couldn't control it. I stopped. And the second that I accepted that with tears streaming down my face, praying to divine feminine, what the fuck is going on here? I can't control this no matter how hard I try. Please help me. When that happened, I stopped. I, the, the pain of it was lifted from me. I was just like, all right. When you accept something, it becomes a part of you. So it's, it's, when something's a part of you, you don't have to worry about it every day. So it's kind of like when you first put glasses on, you get, you went and got your eyes checked, you got your prescription, you're wearing glasses for the first time. And you're like, what the fuck? I'll never get used to this. This prescription is making me feel like I'm going to puke. How am I ever going to do this? And then you keep wearing them. And I actually stopped wearing my glasses because I started to feel like I needed them. Um, and I'm like, no, uh, but all of a sudden you get used to them to the point where you feel like you can't see without them. You've accepted them so much that they become a part of who you are. You fall asleep with them on your face because you're so used to them being there. When you don't accept something, it's always in your face. So every day you're meeting the struggle again. The second you accept something, you absorb the shock of it. It's like peeing in the ocean. 
no matter how many people pee in the ocean, we never think of it as the toilet. We think of it as the ocean because it's big enough to absorb that. And you are big enough to absorb whatever it is that's in your way. But the second you accept something, it gets on your side. It's no longer your opponent. You can't fight with something if you're on the same side as it. And the second you accept it, it has permission to change. So my favorite ways for practicing acceptance, first and foremost, if you don't know about praying to divine feminine, let me please tell you, this is the most essential practice that you have, whether you're a woman or a man. But every time you're praying, you're usually telling the universe. So here's what I was praying before. God, fix my son's teeth, please. Give my, make the enamel grow back, fix my son's teeth, make it happen like this on this timeline. I was going to God, who's ultimately in control of everything and being like, do what I tell you to do and calling that praying. It was never coming about. Therefore, I was like, God's not listening to me. My prayers aren't answered. Prayer doesn't work. But that is not the way that you should pray. You don't know the solution for your problem. You don't fucking know the solution for your problem. It would be like that woman with the question about the, the unavailable boy, boyfriend. Help me and him have a kid together. Bitch, no. That's not the right dad for your baby. No, get rid of that guy pronto. If you want that relationship, if you want that baby, if you want that beautiful loving household, be willing to let that non-unavailable shithead go. The best thing you can do if somebody tells you they're unavailable is, li is, is listen to them. Stop trying to force it. Don't be like, oh, well, you just don't really know me because I'm irresistible. No, let them go. They're telling you the truth. You need to respect their boundary. If they say, I don't want to be in a relationship with you, committed to you, don't keep lowering your standards so you can be with them. Raise your standards. Be like, I do not choose you because I want someone that wants to spend every waking hour with me, have kids with me, and live my fantasy with me. I want someone that chooses me too. That's the bare fucking minimum. Um, so when you accept, you, you're constantly telling God what to do. When you pray to Divine Feminine, and behind me on Bruja Report, you would be able to see this right now, is my freaking shrine to Divine Feminine that's in my room because I pray to her every single day. When you pray to Divine Feminine, just like any mother, you do not tell her what to do. Don't you tell your mom what to do. Your mom has known you since before you were born. She knows you better than you know yourself. She's loved you since before you were born. She's known you longer than anyone else. She's been connected to you longer than anyone else. And she knows what you want. And she loves you. And she wants to make it right. But you go to Divine Feminine and you start telling her what to do. Bitch, no. Don't do that. When you pray to Divine Feminine, this is all you do. You tell her all of your problems. And when I was dealing with my son's teeth, I told her, I become unmanageable for me. Every day, every time my son smiles, I'm looking at his teeth. Every day they're getting worse. I'm doing everything. I feel like I'm doing it all by myself. It's not fucking working. No matter how hard I've tried, it's not working. I'm so worried about people, what people will think about me as a mom. I'm so worried that he's going to lose his beautiful smile. I'm so worried that we're going to have to go to the dentist and put him under sedation and fucking yank his teeth out. I'm so worried about this. I've been anxious for a year struggling with this all by myself. I can't do it anymore. I'm exhausted. Like that. Tears running down my fucking face. 
that's what happens when you accept something not accepting what you think is like the spiritual reason behind it don't tell your mom you know what's going on you don't fucking know what's going on and you can't control it accept it accept it you do that by praying to divine feminine you never tell divine i've got to remind you of this never tell her what to do just tell her all your problems and let her put it together secondary to that i like tapping but honestly um as much as i love tapping to divine feminine for my personal life has had more of an impact on me i love tapping and i do it frequently enough and i've worked with a tapping coach and that was super cool as well but praying to divine feminine real on your knees prayer if you are a woman and you're not doing this yet like girl you are missing out fucking hardcore big time you gotta pray to divine feminine to me it's the only way to pray and i think that that's it for Bruja Report, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in today, broadcasting from lying on my floor, looking at my beautiful ceiling. Um, you know, Bruja Report is one of my favorite things that I do, and it always has been. It's really close to my heart. It's such an honor to be able to teach on here. So for the month of October, one, the second is fucking November, you don't get that month free anymore. So I'm not saying that the month of October is free. I'm saying that if you join Bruja Report today on October 20, whatever it is, 21st, and you DM the Bruja Report with the password Sacred Society, that you will not be billed your first $11.11 until the 21st of November. Girl, that's so many Q&As. That's so many workouts. That's access to all of the archives. Like the archives is the fucking best part of Bruja Report. I swear. You go on there, you log into my account, you see, holy shit, are there literally like five different categories with 30 videos each on lectures from everything from like how to interpret dreams to grief recovery to Q&A to business consulting? There's literally every fucking thing on the Bruja Report archives. It's $11.11 .11 a month with so many fucking giveaways and you'll get a whole month for free. Bitch, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. I put a poll on my Instagram being like, yo, what would you like me to create for you? What's your spiritual budget? Is it under $20 a month? The majority of people said yes. I'm like, you obviously just don't know about Bru Bruja Report. This thing already exists and it's so good. People just have reservations about, I don't know, paying money for an Instagram, but it's not just an Instagram. There's so much behind it. There's so many archives. And I love seeing people trying to start their own because it's like you don't realize how hard it is to get this right until you try to do it. You don't realize what a masterpiece it is until you attempt to start your own. And, and I love that. Um, so thank you. You know, I'm broadcasting this on Bruja Report right now. So everyone listening is like, bitch, I know I'm on Bruja Report. But this is the podcast that's going to go to a lot of people who haven't been a, a part of this yet. And uh, I want to thank you all so much for being here. Satnam, I bring you all the love you need on this trip. Love you all so much and talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye, y'all.